0: Hello to you, and welcome to Coin Market Recap. I'm Connor Sefton with your easy to understand look at this week's crypto headlines. Coming up, Bitcoin bounces back as its recovery from January's bloodbath continues. We'll have a full news roundup as Shiba Inu surges by more than 60% in seven days. Russia abandons plans to ban Bitcoin. And Apple unveils a new feature that could allow businesses to accept crypto payments using their iPhones. Molly Jane Zuckerman is here to talk about Bitfinex as the US recovers $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin that was stolen from the exchange six years ago plus why a top crypto executive lost his job over a tweet he wrote in 2016. Give our show a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at Conor Sefton. Coin market recap. Well, the crypto markets have been a sea of green this week with Bitcoin reclaiming $45,000 for the first time in over a month. Inflation in the US rose by 7.5% in January, the highest spike in 40 years, meaning the typical American household is now spending an extra £250 a month as prices surge. High levels of inflation are traditionally seen as bullish for Bitcoin. Well, the cryptocurrency's market cap has grown by more than $130 billion since February began and as of Thursday, it's been in positive territory for eight days running. Over the past five months, research from Block Tower Capital suggests that, on average, investors bought into Bitcoin when it was priced at $47,000. And people may not be inclined to buy more until they break even. Crypto payments may be finally coming to iPhones. Kind of. Apple has unveiled a new feature called Tap to Pay, which will enable American businesses to use an iPhone to accept contactless payments. The tech giant says the feature will support Apple Pay, contactless credit and debit cards, and other digital wallets fueling speculation it will be compatible with crypto exchanges. Tap2Pay will launch later this year, and it's too early to say whether the feature will definitely support cryptocurrencies. But Apple Pay's Vice President Jennifer Bailey has previously said that the company is watching crypto closely because it has interesting long-term potential. The mayor of New York City has declared that he's in favor of cryptocurrency, but against cryptocurrency mining. Eric Adams made the admission as he was questioned at a joint session of state legislators in Albany. The newly elected politician has said he wants to make the Big Apple a hub for digital assets, and he's automatically converting his first three paychecks into Bitcoin and Ether. Adams might come in for criticism from Bitcoiners, although it's fine and good supporting cryptocurrencies. Most major coins wouldn't exist without mining Shiba Inu surged this week after the project announced plans to launch its own metaverse this month. Users will be able to purchase virtual plots of land within the ecosystem much like in other blockchain-based rivals such as The Sandbox and Decentraland. Preferential access is also being offered to those who hold the leash token also known as Doge Killer, which also rose by 44% in a single day. On Wednesday, the BBC has quietly cancelled a documentary about a British man who says he became a millionaire trading cryptocurrencies. The broadcaster had written an article about Hanad Hassan that described how he managed to turn a $50 investment into $8 million within a year. But allegations have been swirling on Twitter that Hassan created a coin that turned out to be a scam, leaving investors out of pocket. A Telegram group suggests the BBC documentary was being filmed in September last year. And this may have ended up giving investors false hope about the project. One owner of the Orfano X token wrote that the BBC would not waste its reputation, time and money unless the project was doing something big. The media giant is now facing questions over how much due diligence it actually performed into Hassan and his project. Orfano X was discontinued back in October. Russia has unveiled plans to regulate cryptocurrencies, reducing the risk of an outright ban. Figures from the government suggest more than 12 million crypto wallets have been opened in the country, with a collective value of about 27 billion US dollars. Officials are concerned that a lack of regulation means law enforcement agencies can't respond effectively to crypto crimes, emboldening fraudsters. The government also admitted that a complete ban on crypto transactions isn't possible, an approach that had been previously favoured by Russia's central bank. The proposed rules mean crypto exchanges would need to have financial cushions in place to safeguard the interests of users. Consumers will also need to declare crypto transactions that are worth more than U.S. dollars to the authorities. It's the Super Bowl this weekend and viewers are set to be bombarded by crypto adverts. Crypto.com and eToro are among the trading platforms that have taken out ads for the major sporting event. Estimates suggest that a 30-second TV spot will cost $7 million. FTX is also planning a Bitcoin giveaway and the value of the prize will be determined by when its ad airs. Binance, which owns CoinMarketCap, is taking a different approach and has enlisted the help of an all-star basketball forward, Jimmy Butler.
1: On February the 13th, you're going to hear some of the biggest names telling you to get into crypto, but they don't know you or your finances. Only you do. Finance and I are here to tell you, trust yourself and of course, do your own research. Be on the lookout for more
0: before the game. This week's crypto headlines. Well, joining me to discuss the week's crypto headlines is Molly Jane Zuckerman. Hello, Molly Jane.
1: Hello, Connor. How are you doing this week?
0: I'm I'm not bad, thank you. I'm not bad. One thing that struck me was that a few days ago, we were talking on a telegram for work, and you just said, it's been a weird week. And it has. It's been a really weird week. (laughs) Uh, There's just so much has happened. You're eating baby food.
1: (laughs) I I am eating baby food. For all the listeners out there, if you want just like a quick snack that's healthy and will just kind of like... Raise your mood and your energy levels. I highly recommend baby food.
0: Uh, I, I might, I might pass if that's okay. I'm gonna pass on that one.
1: No, <laughs> you can't. You also, I, I, I,
0: I can and I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try to eat it quietly though. I know that I sometimes have problems with my food and beverage consumption during this podcast, <laughs> which may have been fixed by the beautiful new mic that I bought. And picked it up just in time, but it turns out it didn't actually come with any connected wires or a (laughs) mic stand, which is why I still sound so bad.
0: Well, we are working on it because we did get a review a couple of weeks ago that says, Hey, I love the podcast, but can you throw a few ETH at the production? So it's like, yes, we're working on it.
1: (laughs) Wow. I mean, I hope they give us five stars, but you know, one of my favorite podcasts always ends by saying, like, Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Do not give us less than five stars. We just don't want your review that way. Just give us good reviews, or don't say anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's like a fair point. I do not have a microphone. I have um, fancy headphones, but uh, but no mic.
0: Well, hopefully that will all be resolved next week. Now let's get to the crypto news, then Molly Jane and Bitfinex. We're going to talk about first. Now I know, I know, there's something in particular about this story. That you want to talk about. But first, let's explain what happened. So almost 120,000 Bitcoin had been stolen from the crypto exchange all the way back in 2016. And this week, the US seized $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin that was linked to that hack. The Justice Department says it's the biggest financial seizure that they've ever made. Now, Molly Jane, do you think that this will make cyber criminals think twice before hacking exchanges in the future, knowing that they still risk getting caught six years later?
1: I think most, um, if you're going to do a big crime, you need to think you're going to do it better than Mm. anyone else ever before. So, no. (laughs) Basically, I think the hacks of exchanges are just going to keep on...
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing we've kind of learned from this case is that attempting to cash out billions of dollars worth of stolen crypto is far from easy. So two people have been arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to launder cryptocurrency. They're a husband and wife called Ilya Lichtenstein and Heather Morgan. Now, a big milestone in identifying these suspects may have been when the Alpha Bay Darknet marketplace was seized and shut down by law enforcement because detectives would have been able to look at the site's internal transaction logs and Bitcoin that was linked to the Bitfinex hack had been sent to Alphabay, probably because the platform used to pool funds, blurring transaction histories, making the owners harder to track. And one thing that jumped out at me is that they also tried to open seven accounts on one crypto exchange, but their access was frozen because the identities they used couldn't be verified. So that tells me, Molly Jane, you know, know your customer checks work. Know your customer checks work. And like, you're
1: going to try seven times? I, I just, I just, there. you know, my opinion on, on this couple, if, if hmm. what this, if this is true, is just like, they did everything wrong. They, they changed their Bitcoin <laughs> for like, for Walmart gift cards. They didn't even, they didn't even buy the like crazy New York penthouse they yeah. lived in or whatever. They didn't, they just rented it. They, they were living, they weren't living the high life, you know? It, they were living in such a way that they were going to get caught. And I don't know, I feel like if I had $3.6 billion in Bitcoin, I would be able to get out at least, at least mm, before I got caught. <laughs> Maybe like a hundred million, I'm sure. Using peer-to-peer exchanges, using exchanges without KYC. And I would live really high for like a year before I'd get caught.
0: The total value of the Bitcoin that was taken was $4.5 billion. The US has managed to seize $3.6 billion. And it's estimated that this couple did manage to launder about 25,000 Bitcoin. But like you say, they were using exchanges to buy prepaid debit cards and a lot of it ended up getting spent on things like Uber rides, bookings with Hotels.com, buying a PlayStation. It's all it's all very weird.
1: It kind of feels like what would happen if you gave like a five-year-old mm. a, a million dollars and were just like, go buy the things <laughs> that you see around you. You know, there was, no, there was no genius to it. There was no creativity to it. You know, it's like, I feel like these are the people that, are the are the ones naming all of the lending programs like Coinbase <laughs> Lend and like, <laughs> like I don't I don't get it I truly don't get it.
0: We have been learning a little bit more about Heather Morgan, one of those who's accused of laundering the crypto. We say accused because, of course, there's yet to be a trial innocent until proven guilty. Now, it turns out she hasn't really been keeping a low profile at all since 2016. She's actually an amateur rapper. Molly Jane, should we have a listen?
1: You know, I have not listened yet. I've only read the lyrics. You haven't listened no, to this No, no. I do weird things where I get obsessed and then I don't actually follow through. So I'd love to listen. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, then. Well, just to warn you guys at home, this is going to hurt.
1: Turkish Martha start, Keep gun up in her skirt Been trapping with dessert Garn poppy from that dirt Rebellious young Turk basics with a burk, showing off her inverse twerk. At dark she come a lurk like beer, icky ouch, dirt beer, icky ouch, dirt. Turkish Martha Stewart, Turkish Martha
0: sturt dirt, dirt, turk sturt Beer, icky, ooh, Turkish Martha sturt
1: <laughs> There were a lot of. Oh my God. There were a lot of things I expected you to say. I did not expect you just to repeat her rap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, wow, that is, uh, now, <laughs> now I think she's a genius. I think she's a comedic genius. I think you have to take this ironically, oh, right? We, ha- this has to have been
0: ironic. I, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, you know, I don't know what to think, but she's, she's known as Razzle Khan in her videos and she refers to herself as the crocodile of Wall Street, and her freestyle raps had many themes. Some were about investment strategies. Others were about uh, finding AirPods. Very eclectic mix of topics for her rap videos. Molly Jane, do you ever just look at a piece of crypto news and then go, like, right, that's it, I quit?
1: <laughs> yeah, this was, this was one of those ones where I was informed one of, my, one of our writers for Alexandria likes to sometimes send, send me tidbits. Mm. And he sent me this article late at night. And I thought he, I thought he was joking. Like I thought it was like a rap video about crypto. No. <laughs> no. It's not what it was. It's not mm-hmm. what it was at all. You're, um, you're, I do want to make a delineation here that you actually made to me recently, which is that they're not being accused of hacking or stealing the funds originally. Mm-hmm. They're being accused of yes. laundering them. And that's something I didn't quite realize because I was thinking how do these two people engineer a sophisticated hack of a cryptocurrency exchange? But that's not what the—that's not what they're standing trial for.
0: Yes, it isn't. Um, I will caveat that though by saying it's—and I'm not suggesting anything here—but it's very unusual that you'd think that if a different entity had performed this hack, they would kind of want some of the proceeds from said hack. So it's very unusual that someone's done the hack. And then you've got this couple who are just laundering funds, but ended up getting all of the funds from the hack, but weren't involved in the hack. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: No, nothing about this makes any sense. But to be fair, in crypto, there have been some crazy hacks. Like If you remember last uh, fall, when Poly Network was exploited for six hundred ten million dollars and then the hacker returned mm. it saying just wanted to show you that you had this problem but took a really long time to do it so no one really knew what was happening and um, yeah that that does happen that was yeah. weird uh, obviously i don't think that the bitfinex original hacker was a white hat hacker that was going to return the money because it happened six mm. years ago mm. here's a question that i actually i don't know the answer to um now I'm going to sound really uninformed. The money was stolen from Bitfinex, but I think all of Bitfinex Mm. clients were made whole. So when the money, hopefully eventually, through this court case will be returned to Bitfinex, who does it go to? To the exchange itself? They're
0: making themselves fully whole? If you remember, I mean, Bitfinex had a pretty (laughs) rubbish couple of years because um, their payment processor also had, I believe, funds seized by the government, which ended up creating another black hole in Bitfinex's finances. So Bitfinex in 2018, I think, ended up creating a new token called Unis Said Leo. And the idea was that this token would be used to help Bitfinex raise capital And the owners of this token would then be bought out in the event that the money from this hack was ever recovered. So what we've seen over the past few days is Bitfinex now obviously wants to get their hands back on this money. So they're working with law enforcement to do that. And the value of Leo went through the roof um, in recent days. In one single day, it went up by about 50%. It's hit all-time highs because people are trying to cash in and get hands on this token, knowing that Bitfinex is going to have to buy it from them. But um, Heather Morgan, Molly Jane, wasn't only a terrible rapper. She'd written articles for Forbes, offering tips to protect businesses against cyber criminals, no less. And she also gave a talk in Brooklyn called How to Social Engineer Your Way Into Anything, detailing the act of manipulating someone into divulging information or acting in a certain way. Now, her tips on crashing an event included wearing black T-shirts to look like security, bringing cash for tips and wearing as many layers as possible so you could change outfits at short notice.
1: I mean, what I would give to be a fly in the room at that lecture, just to see the I people know. that go to that. Um, I think it's if it's a certain kind of person I'm not sure I've ever met in my life, in any of my circles. Someone that would see that and yeah. go, sign me up. I'm going. I want to learn. You know?
0: <laughs> it's very weird. I don't know how many people attended. Um, so the couple um, face up to 20 years in prison if they're convicted prosecutors have said Lichtenstein had folders on his computer called personas and passport ideas and a plastic bag labeled burner foams was discovered under the bed.
1: That is... Why would you label a bag like that? Uh, I, uh, every piece of new information is more and more interesting. And as I wrote in our newsletter this week, I am dearly awaiting the inevitable documentary. Of how this all oh, yeah. went down. I mean, this is a yeah. firefest level heist. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm saying allegedly because I don't want to convict these people before a trial. So allegedly, allegedly, mm-hmm. allegedly. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. She allegedly sang Turkish Martha Sturt because <laughs> that's a real crime here. That's a real crime. I posted this video on Twitter and I got some wild responses. Like one of them was an executive at Substack who said, Okay, I'm actually pro censorship now.
1: <laughs> the memes, the gifs or the gifs, however you want to call them coming from this are mm. relatively wild. I have to say, something that I that we haven't seen yet, and I guess probably for legal reasons, is this seems like the kind of person that would just uh Heather would make a Twitter space and just talk about it. Um Mm. That would be gold, but I don't know. I think maybe the time has passed.
0: Yeah, well, all of their social networks now have surprisingly gone down. Um, Let's just quickly, though, go back to Bitfinex and focus on them because we did actually have a bit of a statement from Bitfinex's chief technology officer, Paolo Arduino. Here's what he had to say. The entire Bitfinex team, Bitfinex community, and the entire crypto industry are extremely thankful for the work that the uh, Department of Justice team and other law enforcement agencies have put through over these years in order to achieve this amazing result. In a weird way, Molly Jane, is this bullish for Bitcoin that funds recovered from a hack six years ago have been successfully retrieved?
1: I do think that overall it is bullish. And the reason is because... It's an example of blockchain doing one of the things that it's supposed to do, be transparent and be trackable. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: So whenever the technology does what it's supposed to do, and it does it in a really public way, because this news has gone everywhere, this is not just a crypto media, this is like a, this is like New York Times covering it, et cetera. I don't know, getting Bitcoin and blockchain talked about more in this context, it doesn't seem like a bad thing to me.
0: Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. And It's just interesting because, of course, over the years, we've seen this explosion in blockchain intelligence firms whose job it is to actually help law enforcement track down stolen crypto. And in fact, there was a report by Chainalysis recently, which is one of these firms, and they were talking about North Korea, which, um, according to them, have been um, stealing millions upon millions of dollars from crypto exchanges and what they seem to do, North Korea, is their hackers steal crypto and then leave it untouched in their wallets, almost waiting for interest from detectives to die down before then attempting to move it. You know, it's, it's a lot different from, you know, stealing bundles of cash, isn't it? Every Bitcoin can be traced. And I think that's actually a real nightmare for cyber criminals.
1: No, it's a total nightmare. I mean, there are things like tornado cash mixers, et cetera. But I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, a transaction that you make—I'll talk about Bitcoin just to be—a transaction you make on the Bitcoin blockchain, you should consider it as if, as if it's broadcasted to the world, <laughs> because it is, mm-hmm. because it, because it is. And if you're someone like me and you who use Coinbase and and do KYC, and our addresses can be linked. To ourselves then yeah you're you're doing things publicly which is an interesting way Hmm. to have your finances
0: okay so moving on now molly jane and there's this huge culture war going on in web three and in crypto right now now there's going to be some pretty heavy language in this part of the podcast i just want to warn you guys some of you might find this offensive now this story is about brantley milligan he was the director of operations with Ethereum Name Service. Now, ENS is a tool that gives people human readable addresses for their crypto wallets. So instead of a long string of letters and numbers, I could be Connor.eth and you could be MollyJane.eth. And an old tweet that Brantley had written in 2016 started doing the rounds again last weekend. He'd said, and I quote, Homosexual acts are evil. Transgenderism doesn't exist. Abortion is murder. Contraception is a perversion. So is masturbation and porn. Now, a number of ENS users said his remarks were unacceptable. Even his colleagues said these views were the antithesis of the values we stand for in Web3. Brantley initially stood by his remarks because he's a Catholic, but he's now been removed as a community steward. And has lost his position as Director of operations because Ethereum Name Service said his position was untenable. Molly Jane, what do you make of all this?
1: So because this is crypto and there is the decentralization, web 3 um there's been a lot of backlash saying that it, it's a lot of that sort of like First Amendment freedom of speech sort of thing. Mm-hmm. um i I don't agree. i I agree with the decision to remove him. I just think that if you're going to be the face of a company, you need to be held accountable for past actions and tweeting mm-hmm. that is, is is reprehensible. So I think that if this person had been employed in a high level position in any other industry like at Walmart or Starbucks or even at, at like a, a tech startup, it wouldn't have sparked the same sort of online controversy because these other industries don't have that same aspect of decentralization and freedom of speech like, like crypto does. There's a lot of libertarians in crypto and they're it's just they gather. <laughs> they gather here.
0: Of course, you know, people have freedom when it comes to their religion. What makes this different is that... His, the way he's presented his views in a very forthright manner actually affects the rights of others and that's when it becomes a problem.
1: That's when it becomes a problem and also inclusivity. It's a, it's a pretty big tenant of, of Web3 and of cryptocurrency is inclusivity mm-hmm. for women, people of color, LGBT community, et um, But There's just a really big push towards that right now. So to have someone not only have mm-hmm. those opinions um to have them be brought to light 6 years later and then to have him blame it on the fact that he's catholic it, it's just you know it those to me are all are all fireable uh, offenses
0: um and yeah like you say crypto has been very male very white for a long time do you think there are some people in this industry who are reluctant to accommodate people from different backgrounds?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I know that women in the industry have a particularly hard time, as I think women in any industry do when they are when they have like a large online uh, Twitter or YouTube, just a social media presence. And definitely, if you see a Quinn Market Cap, we have the majority of the audience is white males. On Alexandria, the majority of our audience is also white males that are our readers. Um, just mm. like... In, in, in the tech industry in general. I, I think there are some really great initiatives about inclusion. I think Desfem, which is a, uh, for a physical cryptocurrency magazine about women in crypto started by Lee Quinn and Cammy Russo. That's a great initiative. It's just like, it's, it's always gonna be a problem because of the way the world works, <laughs> as sad as that is. But I think of all the industries, crypto is one of the most inclusive I've seen in my experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing that particularly shocked me this week was what happened to Dame.Eth. And they criticised Brantley Milligan for that old tweet uh, that he'd written. And they were then sent um, transphobic abuse on the blockchain. And I won't go into all the details. The message said things like, you'll never be a real woman and your parents are disgusted and ashamed of you. Dame.Eth isn't actually um, transgender, they're non-binary. But Molly Jane, the person who sent this abuse, would have had to spend $7.16 to spread it. And I just, I don't understand how that's okay. And there's been people, I wrote a story on this, and there were people who were replying to it on CoinMarketCap saying, oh, no one cares about this drama. But in a way, this is a this affects us all because most of us want... Um, mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies for it to be a part of everybody's lives. And this can't happen if people are abused.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that someone had to spend money to do that, and it, it, I yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's easy to tweet something mean, but to do yeah. something like that, it just requires um, malicious, just a lot more malicious intent. And I think the fact that this person... Um, was public about it and showed it also was the right thing to do. It definitely is brave. I mean, I don't know how much online abuse you've received. I've received my fair share, not a lot, but like my fair share. And it it always feels kind of weird and shameful. You never want to Mm -hmm. share it to other people. Like it's somehow your fault or something. So I think that, um, one of the things that made this week really weird is just uh, when, when the lid is taken off and some sort of nasty stuff is uncovered in crypto that is more than just people making fun of NFTs, you know, because that's not what people talk about most of the time.
0: I mean, um, I, I haven't had much abuse in my career, especially compared with female journalists I've worked with. They instantly get by default, they get more abuse, even if they're writing about fairly innocuous things. Um, one one thing that particularly sticks out in my head when it comes to what I've received, which I've got to be honest, I found pretty funny at the time. There was um, a guy who had been on Twitter for five years, never tweeted, never tweeted once. And he decided to send his first ever tweet in response to a story I'd written to me, and all it said was "twat."
1: <laughs> I mean, I <sighs> am making this very simplistic, but it's like the mm. age-old adage: if you don't have anything nice yeah. to say, then don't say anything at all.
0: But this is a thing on on Twitter in other social networks whether it's discord or reddit people or have you know pseudonyms for names they have usernames they have avatars you know they don't they're hiding behind a digital identity and so my question is does this industry have a serious toxicity problem and if this is the case where we're all hiding behind these digital personas can it be fixed Yeah, you and I
1: disagree on this. We've disagreed about this off the podcast and on the podcast because I think that Mm. um, being anonymous online is perfectly acceptable. And and entrusting your Mm. money to anonymous creators that build decentralized protocols, I think that that is acceptable in the crypto space. You don't. (laughs) And I know that you don't. Um, I mean, definitely having anonymity gives you the sort of extra protection that might give you more... uh, the idea you can really say and do whatever you want and it won't ever be traced back to and, and you, you, it won't be accountable. But I do just think that, I mean, as sad as it is, the amount of people that have been doxed recently that were anonymous for both good reasons and bad reasons, there have just been so many public doxings and I just, I don't think that you're as safe as you think you are being anonymous on online. Mm. I wanted to go back and look at my old tweets to see uh. <laughs> what I was up to...
0: If there was anything that I'd get you cancelled. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I found the opposite of that. There, I went through a really, really long period of time where the only thing I would tweet were song lyrics where I changed the word girl into the word squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> so there would be tweets like from TV shows like, XOXO, Gossip Squirrel. <laughs>
0: Can you give me an example of where you changed a lyric from girl to squirrel? Because the, the, one, the one that springs to mind for me is that song that Annie Lennox did. Like, so instead of who's that girl, it'd be, who's that squirrel yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> running around with you? You know,
1: <laughs> I definitely think it was one where it's like, um, oh, like the Kim Possible, you know, I'm just your simple average squirrel here to save the world. <laughs>
0: Uh, i do like the idea of gossip squirrel though like that rabbit's on cocaine you know it's like (laughs) just you know gossiping in the wild Um...
1: Uh, yeah so if you find my personal twitter which is different than the twitter i have now which is a crypto twitter and you scroll back far enough you're gonna find um mainly just uh squirrel lyrics so i don't know please don't cancel me for that (laughs) i i don't deserve it
0: Okay, well, let's move swiftly on then and talk about Tesla because it's been one year now since it announced that it made a $1.5 billion investment into Bitcoin. The company has made a filing to the US Securities and Exchange Commission that reveals this Bitcoin was worth $1.99 billion by December 31st, so annoyingly just shy of $2 billion. Now, that's not bad considering Tesla you know, had initially bought $1.5 billion at the start of the year, later selling 10% of it in order to test the market's liquidity. Devil's in the detail though, isn't it, Molly Jane? Because it did suffer an impairment loss of $101 million over the course of 2021.
1: Can you clarify if the impairment loss is because of Bitcoin or just in general with Tesla?
0: As far as I understand, it's because specifically of Bitcoin.
1: Hmm. That's a lot of money. I mean, if I lost $101 million, I would be pretty upset.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the weird thing about impairment losses and companies that hold Bitcoin. So they have to do this every quarter when they're giving their financial results. And bearing in mind, this isn't actually a physical realized loss. So say, for instance, if you bought um $10,000 of bitcoin in January and it was worth $9,000 by April you'd have to declare an impairment loss of $1,000 even if you had no intention of selling the bitcoin so it isn't actually realized it's just a paper loss
1: oh yeah impairment loss is one of my favorite concepts <laughs>
0: because I get it,
1: I understand it. But when someone asks me to explain it to them, it always takes a few tries. But you did a great job. Good job with that uh,
0: explanation. Mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you very much. Now, the rest of the SEC filing covered things we already know. Tesla reaffirming it believes in the long-term potential of digital assets, both as an investment and also as a liquid alternative to cash. The company did also stress it may decrease our holdings of digital assets at any time based on the needs of the business and on our view of market and environmental conditions. Molly Jane, what do you think is more likely? Tesla selling off a chunk of its Bitcoin or buying more of it?
1: I think it will buy more. I think that people are saying Bitcoin right now is quote unquote at a discount, which it mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't think it's ever in discount. I think it always just is the price. You know, people say one Bitcoin is always one Bitcoin. <laughs> but... Uh, Yeesh sorry about that but um yeah i i would assume they would buy more i would love Mm -hmm. to buy more i just don't i can't because of like (laughs) having to pay rent and like food and stuff but um i would buy more now that's not financial advice i'm so sorry it's not (laughs) (laughs) financial (laughs) advice
0: you're gonna get a sued molly jane we'll be in the dock next to
1: turkish mothers here's my question what would it take for you to release a rap video would you have to embezzle launder billions first or will this happen naturally in the course of your crypto journalism career
0: the thing is i am um, i have been known to partake in karaoke and exude confidence if um i'm plied with lots of alcohol but i don't drink anymore so i think that the chances now are pretty slim
1: and i'm tone deaf so <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, go on have a go for us have a go at her rap
1: no it's go the kind on. of thing where i'll be singing like the most popular lady gaga song and someone will turn and go oh what song is that i just it is you can't you can't figure me out um cannot figure me out as a as a, as a singer
0: were there any other stories that caught your eye this week despite your COVID fog so i actually haven't fully read this yet
1: but mcdonald's is going to make a metaverse or is this is this true
0: Potentially, potentially. So they have filed trademark applications for things like a virtual restaurant and virtual food and beverages. So NFTs, essentially, files that may contain audio, video, text, that type of thing. But this is the important thing to remember a company filing a trademark application doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to act on it. We had this problem with Walmart last month when they filed a flurry of metaverse and crypto-related trademarks. And the spokesperson kind of slammed the brakes on everything saying, listen, you know, we file trademarks all the time. We've got nothing to announce right now. That's basically it. So it may mean nothing, but I do think it's telling that they are filing these trademarks.
1: So here's my question. I talked about this with a friend that's also encrypted yesterday. What is your ideal metaverse? Because neither of us are big gamers, you know? So I don't think mm. we're going to be really looking for the, the play to earn game metaverses, etc. What would be your ideal metaverse? What's something where you'd be like, actually, I want to use this. I understand the hype. Like, I want to be a part of this metaverse.
0: This is probably a really niche example now, but this is the first one that came to the top of my head. I like playing backgammon. And so, if there was a way where I could either play with friends or play with strangers in a metaverse where I could be there in this virtual world, physically moving counters and have someone sat across me who was playing a game with me, that would be awesome.
1: That is incredibly specific. <laughs> uh i i like it um it's opening up new possibilities for me um i will answer my own question because i have many many meetings throughout the day just mm-hmm. lots of meetings mm-hmm. and one of the most fun ways to get through those meetings is to have them in the metaverse we use a website which I, i'll call out why not it's called gather.town we have um, a small conference room we have these little games. And you build a little avatar and you walk around. You can chat with people one-on-one. Um, when the meeting starts, you can all sit at a conference table and look at a presentation. It's a mixture of Sims, and, but everything is 2D. I love mm-hmm. it. I think it's genius. And uh, that's the kind of thing I'll be looking forward to in the future, more of that, just because I don't think I ever want to work in an office again. I don't know about you, but I kind of like sitting at home with my cat during the work day, being in my little Metaverse office.
0: I... I love going into a fiscal office, um, mainly because um, I do some other things. Sometimes I work in a newsroom and the job I do is 10 times harder to do if you're at home because half of my job is overhearing things. So it just wouldn't work.
1: It might if you guys were all in a little metaverse, though.
0: All chatting No, at, no at I don't think now. so. Okay, that's fine. No. But, um, you know, I'm not saying no metaverses obviously have potential. I'm not not denying that they've got potential, but um, uh, especially in a work setting. And I think that, you know, this work from home trend really is here to stay. So um, I think that the metaverse has a real opportunity here. But one thing that did interest me. I'd like to get your take on this. There was research by Gartner this week that estimated 25% of people will spend at least one hour a day in the metaverse by 2026. So that's in four years time, whether this is for work, shopping, learning, or for entertainment. Does this strike you as rather low?
1: I think it really depends on the definition of a metaverse, because if we're talking about an online virtual space, Mm. then then that number seems incredibly low. If we're talking about a decentralized blockchain-based online virtual space, then that number seems about right
0: to me. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't really specify. It just says the metaverse. But, you know, you compare this with Meta, obviously, formerly known as Facebook, which is really aggressively investing in this space. And As of March 2021, 36% of the global population were using Facebook and they were spending an average of two hours and 24 minutes a day on that site. So that almost suggests that Meta is now focusing on an area where fewer people will use it for less time, at least initially.
1: Yeah, because Facebook use is going down. It's going down. They
0: are. They are. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs)
1: we should make more make more small
0: noises Mm -hmm. um it was lovely speaking to you and we'll speak to you again next week hopefully when you have a brand new microphone
1: oh mr mike i've been calling it
0: (laughs) but you've been spelling it mike as in michael
1: That's why I started calling it Mr. Mike when I realized I'd been making a typo for like seven days of this uh whole mic process. Anyway, yeah, we'll see you next week with a better
0: Mike. See you next week. Bye. And that is it for this week's Coin Market Recap. I'm Connor Sefton and thank you so much for listening. And just a reminder that this show does not offer financial advice. Please do follow our podcast and you can head to coinmarketcap.com forward slash Alexandria. Easy to understand features on how crypto works. We're on Twitter too, at CMC Alexandria. If you've got feedback or questions about what we've discussed on the show, our email is podcast at coinmarketcap.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye bye.